All right, gents, welcome back to the Gird Up Podcast. I'm Charlie Ingemach. I'm your host. Today we got an awesome interview again with Pastor Mike Novotny. We're going to talk about family and what that means as a Christian man. But before we get into this awesome interview, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how you can support the podcast. Now, if you have any desire at all to support the podcast, first thing you can do is go find us on social media. Make sure you're following us on Instagram, Facebook, that kind of stuff. And then if you want some Gird Up gear, go ahead and check us out on Etsy, a Gird Up shop on Etsy. And uh, it's, it's called the Gird Up shop on Etsy. And you'll find some t-shirts there. Right now it's a Memento Mori t-shirt that's up there and some mugs. If you order one of those, you also get some wristbands and, and stickers and stuff like that. That's the easiest way for you to support the podcast. Uh, the reason we do it like that is so that you get out there and you're showing off the logo and showing off the gear as well. So make sure you're going on there. Uh, order and use it as a Christmas present or buy it for yourself or whatever it might be. Uh, but that is the easiest and best way to support this podcast if you enjoy what you're hearing and if you think this message needs to continue to be shared. Uh, with that said, uh, let's get into this interview with Pastor Mike Novotny. He's going to talk about family. Uh, he's a strong family man. Uh, he's a good leader and a good example in this area, and I hope you learn a lot from this interview with Pastor Mike Novotny. Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Jungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. say look how awesome i am and like oh that inspires them but when you say like here's how i messed up people come and line up afterwards to exactly. talk. well and the power of the power of owning that and having that conversation and people can come to you too and say yeah yep. i've also failed yep you said rick warren said that i, I think so yeah i, I hit know. record halfway through oh so, man yeah we're on the podcast no now. martin luther said that martin luther said That's that. What <laughs> <laughs> put it on the crest <clears throat> there you go <laughs> i've learned that like in our circles Anything that's good, you just—I think Martin Luther said yeah, that. Pretty sure. like, yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, or anything that you really want to be true. <laughs> like if you're trying to cement it, like this is. Yeah, you can't argue with me, Martin Luther said. It has credibility. Yeah, awesome. So we're going to talk. We're back with Pastor Mike Novotny. Woo! Um, hey, and we're going to talk everyone? about family today. Let's do family it. man. So I don't have a family. I'm looking forward to having a family someday. Mm-hmm. Trying to find the right girl to get that started with. So let's talk about family, man. Let's. Let, well, I guess let's start with with that for the foundation, right? Um, so it's got to be you and your wife, um, and you and your wife and God. Um, let's, let's start there. Yeah, that's the rumor. Without God, marriage is hard. <laughs> Without God, I can't imagine. Marriage has got to be impossible. So I uh, <clears throat> I didn't have much experience with girl. I never had a date until after I finished high school. I had one date with a girl who, what, 
two weeks after our date, she came out of the closet and told all her friends that she was actually gay. So that's <laughs> happened to me too. It did. I met a girl at the gym. I, not exactly that, but yeah, it was at the gym. I met her and uh, like, and we were started hanging out and like we were hanging out. I thought it was a date and <laughs> found out it was not a date. And I tried like three different times to tell like a family members about her. Just like, cause I wanted, like I had to tell somebody, like I lived alone. I had to tell somebody. And every time I did, I got this look like, that's not funny. Quit making jokes about it. I was like, all right, <laughs> but now it's out there. I went on a date with a lesbian. Now it's out there. We have, we have something, <laughs> we have something in comedy. Yeah, my, my terrible, slightly inappropriate joke is, you know, I, I ended up meeting a girl after that who I married. And so I, to the the only two girls I've kissed in my entire life both decided they never wanted to kiss a man again. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so that's my story. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty inept in the world of women. I mean, I uh, I met Kim freshman at Martin Luther College and if it wasn't for uh, Matthew Bound, he's a uh, Camp Phillip guy who one day I remember in the cafeteria where I was standing who said, "Are you ever going to ask him to be your girlfriend cuz she's waiting?" Like I probably still would be single, single unless he had pushed yeah. me over that ledge. So. Yeah, I know the feeling there too. Yeah, so that was freshman year. So man, almost twenty years now. It's hard to believe that we've been together. So uh, married for fifteen, two daughters, and man, I, I think if there's advice I'd share. We have this little saying in our home, and I find it to be true with marriage or with with kids. Uh, and the saying is, um, "Me first makes a mess, but you first makes us blessed." That whenever things are like not great at home, it's because I'm thinking of myself and Kim might be reciprocating that. And it just like gets into this crazy cycle of no love and respect. So it always comes down to that. Like every, every day, are you making a you first selfless? I think that's what, mm-hmm. it, what it means in Ephesians five to submit to one another. Mm-hmm. Of, I'm going to put you first, you know, sub like meaning under in Latin, like a submarine is under the water. I'm going to put my needs, my wants, my preferences underneath your own. And Oh man, relationships are so good when you get into like a you first fest of, yeah. you know, I just want to put you first and love and respect it so much easier. But man, there's this thing in my heart that doesn't like that. I, uh, I remember being married early on and came out, I had a fight and we actually had the Ephesians five passage up in our bedroom and I stormed upstairs and I looked at it, you know, a wife should submit to her husband and a husband would love his wife. And I looked at it and I said, God, if she would just do that, like, and I barely, I barely got the sentence like out of my brain until like the Holy Spirit is like, turn around, dude, go back downstairs. You douchebag. Like you're, <laughs> you're leading a church. And this is, <laughs> so yeah, that's really, I mean, what, what I've learned, just selflessness and time. I don't know if it's just the, the dynamic I have with my wife, but we, we can't find a shortcut to a healthy relationship. You know, we, we got to pick something. Um, actually, that's why I made you drive here today. <laughs> do you know that as soon as we're done i'm actually driving to milwaukee really yeah i could have saved you like four hours of time <laughs> hey, it's all good I, man it's all good i had written like a half an email to you yesterday but then i realized because my wife and i are driving down and i would have to lose you know time with man, her mad respect uh, mad respect for that to invest in that i'm like oh man this i'm, I'm being I that guy i wouldn't like, want to take that away from you <laughs> i wouldn't want to take that away from it plus you gave me you gave me two uh, well four hours it'll be of time with my sister i wouldn't have had Woo-hoo. so yeah, yeah. So, that, you awesome. know, that's what, what I've learned. If if I want to, you know, I love playing soccer and my soccer teammates are always asking me to sub on their team. But if I choose them, I'm not choosing my wife. And if I'm going to do just another visit or, you know, want the sermon to go from good to great and I choose that instead of my wife, there, there's just no way you can be great at everything. So if you're in a relationship, be great at that. I don't think anyone who's like in the ministry should be great at ministry and bad at marriage. Mm-hmm. 
I think that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, it happens way too much. Yeah, and that's just messed up. Like if 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 you're married and your wife wishes you weren't a pastor or a teacher, like that's jacked up. How how could God be pleased with that? Yeah. If a husband should love his wife as Christ loved the church, you know. So I would rather. I get in trouble. Maybe I shouldn't say this. I keep using this phrase, but I would rather be a mediocre pastor and a great husband and dad than vice versa. God still works through a mediocre pastor. Yeah, this is very true. But a mediocre husband <clears throat> can tear the world apart. He can. Yeah, he, he can. So if at my funeral, my my former church members love me and my kids have to bite their lip because dad wasn't as great as all the church people thought, like, man. And there's a lot of pastors like that. But if, if my kids love me and I, you know, and that's a balance, right? Because there's always, yeah. yeah, kids always want more time. A relationship always needs more mm-hmm. time at church. A classroom always needs more time. So, you know, there's wisdom and there's mm-hmm. forgiveness and there's grace. But I really want to think intentionally, what are my boundaries? So wh- when I was just about to be a pastor, um, my pastor back at home, he said, he gave me the best advice. I, I think this is the best advice of my entire life. And I say that without meaning to exaggerate at all. He said, Mike, when you get to your first church council meeting, I want you to sit down with all the leaders of your church and ask them how many hours you should work. <laughs> I said, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like, can you imagine like your, <laughs> your first month in the ministry and you're saying, hey, what's, the, what's like the bare minimum I have to work to yeah. <laughs> until you get mad? But he said, no, no, no. He's like, Un- unless you know that there's a standard, everyone is going to expect you to be at everything and you're going to work crazy hours, and you're still going to disappoint people because you didn't show up for their thing. Mm-hmm. And he gave me the greatest context. He said, you know, ask people, so if you guys, I, I want to be a great husband and father as an example to my congregation. So how many hours could you guys put in at your job and still be an, a rock star husband or a, a great present father who reflects the presence of the Heavenly Father? Mm-hmm. And once I couched it like that, like every guy came back and they said, 45 hours, 50 hours. 40 to 50, 45. And eventually we, we decided like 50 was a great benchmark for me. Yeah. And throughout my ministry, that, that's really been my standard of I want to put in 50 hard, faithful, not checking Facebook hours, serve my church well. And, you know, some obviously seasons are going to be more than that. But I want to like without guilt just go home and spend some quantity time with my kids and my wife and I try to squeeze in like a great conversation in the 17 minutes I have before the next meeting. Yeah. So I think if there's... I've been at um, ministry conferences where, you know, balance comes up and people are just weeping. I mean, like flooding the altar in the aisles with regret because they were great at their job and they weren't great at home. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah, I, I don't think I'm a great, great pastor. Sometimes I feel that like, man, I could have reached out more. I could have spent more time. And that's always a balance. You're not feeling guilty about that. But I feel really good about what's happening at home. I feel like there's nothing I'm hiding and I feel like I can really say, you know, follow my example as I'm following Jesus. And that's not necessarily a, a married guy thing either, you know? Hmm. Like, n- whether you have a family or not, it's still something you need to be cognizant of hmm. and, and think about, too. It's yeah. like you, you're, you have to, especially as a minister of the gospel in any form, hmm. you have to get away from the ministry and find a way to recharge, to rebuild, and then also get on that family. Yeah. Like, get on the future a little bit and... Whether it's like find something like you still have to be doing the same amount of relationship building and and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, I've never had my own family, but mm. like you still have to, you, you just can't. You're gonna burn out, and yeah. you're not. You're gonna be totally used up and worthless. Yep. To the, like you should be used up and worthless, like laying on your deathbed, yep. not at 25 years old 
desperately trying to get a paper done or desperately trying to get one more grade in a grade book. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, turning career, whether you're single or married, turning your career into an idol that's going to satisfy you, like, yeah. that'll backfire. Well, and, and you also got to understand that balance changes, too. So, like, in different phases of life, even yep. different times of the year, True. different weeks, different weekends, balance is going to look different. Yep. You know, there's some things that become more important on some days than others, and, yeah. you know. <laughs> that's so and, true. like, you, you do have to keep that in mind and uh, being cognizant of that and sometimes even front-ending it, you know. Hmm. So, like, next week I'm going to be crazy busy. Yep. But I am going to reach out to the people I need. To, I'm going to spend extra time with the people I need. Yeah. I got to take care of those relationships ahead of time so it doesn't become a problem later. Preach. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That's well said. But yeah, you're it's the not, expert, so I need you to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not like during Holy Week. It's right. like, well, it's Good Friday, but yeah. I hit 50 hours, so yep. oh, sorry. Have fun on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, th- there'll be seasons. But yeah, I-, I think I made that mistake early on, and, and thankfully God course corrected me a lot. Mm-hmm. And I remember there, there was a guy, how about this? Um, early in my ministry, there was a guy who wanted me to do a bunch of like a multicultural work, because I, I, I speak Spanish. And he was a passion about it, and I loved his passion, and he really loved the gospel, and he wanted people to hear the gospel. But I was already working way too many hours. I, I didn't have a ton of resources to be able to do it. And he got, he got so mad. I remember we had a conversation where he said, he said, Pastor, I feel physically sick taking communion from you. He said, when you came to this, I remember this quote. He said, when you came to this church, I felt like a kid at a vending machine, and you were like the perfect choice. You were young, and you spoke Spanish, and it, you're like a soda, and I hit the button. This was his analogy. And you came down, and I went to grab you, and I found out that the bottle was empty. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. And, like, man, that, that really made me think about it. Because, like, here was someone who said, unless you work more hours, you're, you're unfaithful. Like, you had a call to serve this community, and you're breaking your promise to God. So, man, I, I, I had to wrestle with that. It's like, am I being – how does God want me to work all this out? And – um, so here's the ironic ending of the story. Um, he, he has a friend who was an older pastor who kind of mediated between the three of us. And the older pastor came in. He's really good. Um, I, I won't say his name, but pretty famous in our circles. And he's talking to me, and, he, and he's gentle and he's respectful. He's just trying to push me to say, hey, you know, maybe the number you have isn't quite right, and maybe you can push it a little bit more. And in the middle of trying to convince me to work more hours, he pauses, and he breaks down sobbing. And he starts weeping, and expressing his regret of the fact that his wife raised his kids and he wasn't there during their childhood. And man, I'm, you know, I'm two years into ministry and it just, it struck me. Here's a guy who's on the other end of it and, and he was a rock star and he's weeping and wishing he could hit rewind. Mm-hmm. And that was such a gift from God to be able to see, you know, to be able to learn from guys from the other end of their careers yeah. and saying, you know, what, what matters in the end? And man, that stuck with me. I was so grateful for God making that moment happen. Yeah. I didn't know much about being a pastor, but in that moment, I'm like, I think this is important, a little God. Bit more. <laughs> I th- yeah. think you want me to remember this. Yeah. So, yeah, th- that's what I've learned about family, that if I'm selfless and if I'm present, things can be great. And if either of those things doesn't happen, I can be present and selfish or selfless but not there, and mm-hmm. it's hard to make it work yeah. really well. Well, in a lot of those situations, I, there's a John Eldridge quote that says, you know, let... Um, Oh man, let the world feel the way to who you are and let them deal with it, right? Oh. Like you're never gonna you're never gonna make you know though you're never gonna make everybody happy. Wow. So what do what the Lord has laid on your heart to do, do it, you know. Yep. Do what you can and then let it be. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So you have two daughters. How many, oh, t- talk about <clears throat> your kids. 
your family, you said you have two daughters? I do. Three daughters. Two daughters. Two daughters? Okay. Yep. I have a 10-year-old. She calls herself a teenager. I never heard that before, which terrifies me. <laughs> named, <laughs> named Brooklyn. Uh, she's a, she's just like her mom. She's a looks like her mom, responsible like her mom, hardworking, organized like her mom. Never have to tell her twice. She's just a box checking, achieving, creative, smart little girl. I'm so proud of her. And uh, my second born is Maya. She's 15 months behind because God has a sense of humor. <laughs> so, uh, and she's a lot like me. So she is. Uh, attention seeking and uh funny thinks she's funnier than she actually is and i love i love her so much man she if uh, she gets married one day she and i are gonna have the best choreographed dance because we both awesome. would love to just do something crazy so yeah that's, that's my clan my two daughters awesome so you want to talk about being a dad a little bit um yeah oh i years ago i read some i don't know if it was a leadership book that talked about having like a personal mission statement and I remember I used to have it um, back in Madison. I'd printed it up and put it. And um, my mission statement was, I want to reflect the character of God in every calling God has given. So I wanted my daughters to somehow, when they read that God is a heavenly father, I wanted them to say, oh, like daddy, but better. Um, and so I wrestled, you know, what, what would that mean? And, you know, obviously I knew I couldn't be holy or perfect or omnipresent or all-powerful like God. <laughs> but I thought about that. Like the best fathers, I think, are present and they're gracious, and they have high standards. Yeah. So, you know, kind of that time thing. I thought if, if I can be present in my daughter's lives, uh, one of the ways I try to do that is, I think tomorrow I have it in my calendar. So every other week, I try to date my daughters. Mm. So we have a, I have a little file on my phone called DUDES, D-U-W-D-S, which is Date Until We Die Society. So some of my buddies <laughs> and I started that. Like, if God has given us these ladies in our life, we're going to date them until our last breath. So, yeah, every other week I try to take them out on a date. I brainstorm ideas, things they say. They really have, like, quantity time with the, with their yeah. dad that they can remember. And, yeah, just the conversational doors that open, the times we can talk about Jesus. Um, man, it's so cool to, like, instill <clears throat> the gospel in your kids and have them preach the gospel to you when you need it. Yeah. I mean, girls are young, but that, that happens. Yeah. Yeah, I think about <clears throat> that was two weeks ago where I t- totally laid an egg as a husband uh, can I tell you a quick story? Sure, this absolutely. Is cr- this is crazy. Man. So I had to, I was supposed to go on a date. It was Friday night, date night. And man, I got in a me first mess. Like it, it was, uh, my wife and I had a fight over third grade basketball. My, <laughs> she thought it'd be good for Maya to enroll. I thought we were a little bit too busy as it was. It, but instead of like listening and having like an adult conversation, I decided, no, this wasn't going to happen. We're not going to talk about it. I know it's best for this family. And you can, yeah. you don't have to be married to know how this goes. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was bad. It was so bad that, um, I picked up my wife and we were driving around town to go to dinner and I, I didn't want to walk into any restaurant and be the hypocritical pastor who was like <laughs> being a total toolbox, you know, <laughs> with his wife. And so we went back home. I didn't even eat dinner. I, you know, that morning we argued in front of the kids, which never happens. And like the girls were getting nervous and like tearing up. So I have to drive three hours that night to the cross to go do a Bible study. And I stop in the in the middle of like, what was it? Nacida, Wisconsin. Never, <laughs> never, you know. Ding, middle the, of nowhere. It's like a quick trip and a subway. So yeah. I pull into the subway. It's ghost town, you know, empty except for two teenage guys working. And I, I kid you not, man. Um, I go up to my sandwich artist. I forget what his name was, Kyle or something. I say, I say hey, hey, Kyle, what's up? How's it going? He said, oh, okay. You know, my pastor red flag yeah. goes up. I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound so good. And he says, well, I don't know. It's better than it was. And I said, well, what happened before? And he said, well, sir, I got into a fight with my girl. 
I'm like, really? You did? I'm like, uh, um, he's like, yeah. He's like, but you know what, sir? Kyle says, you know, 17-year-old mm-hmm. Kyle, before he asked me if I want my sandwich toasted. He says, you know what, sir? Everything gets better when the guy just apologizes. <laughs> I'm like, what? Are you, are you serious right now? <laughs> so I'm like, Kyle, like, I just got into, like, the worst fight with my wife. And I'm like, holy cow. So I call, I call my wife, you know, and apologize and repent and, like, telling her about Kyle. And she's dying laughing. And, you know, full, full circle. So I said, can you put the girls on the phone? I need to, re- I need to repent to them. And so I say, you know, Brooklyn Maya, I'm, I'm sorry. I sinned against your mom. I didn't love her like Jesus loved her. And I wasn't a good daddy or a good husband. And instead of saying, that's okay, daddy, they said, you know that God loves you, daddy, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, <clears throat> man, you know, there's good tips, I, I think, to be a good dad that we can all wrestle with. But for our kids to know that we're just another sinner made saint by the blood of Jesus, mm-hmm. that we're not the perfect standard, but Jesus is, and he's our hope and our comfort. Like, <clears throat> mm-hmm. for me, that makes my home a safe place where hopefully I'm a good example and I'm, I'm not just going to become buddy-buddy with my daughters. I'm still right, their dad. Right, right. Um, but man, that they can know I need forgiveness and I love forgiveness. Like church and baptism and communion and Bible studies aren't just like some religious box that pastor dad has to check, but it's like my lifeline mm-hmm. to be connected to God. Yeah. So... Man, and that was just a gift from God. When I was a, the biggest screw up, you know, I was like the, that was the most sinful moment I can remember of the year, and to immediately get the gospel and forgiveness from my bride and my daughters, like, man, thank you God for being gracious. And thank you, Kyle. <laughs> thank you, Subway, for <laughs> training on a sandwich yeah. artist. <laughs> yeah, but for like that, that's real too. Like, it's one of my favorite things to do with my first and second graders is say I'm sorry, mm. especially like when they. When they push my buttons and they know they're going to get chewed out and I just go a little too far and I come back and say, you know what? I should have been gentler. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Should have been gentler. Can you forgive me? And they, uh, most of the time they come back too. They don't say, it's okay. And I don't let them say it's okay yeah. either. Just like, yeah. I, love I forgive you. Yeah. I love and it. get those big, <clears throat> big first and second grade hugs. Man. Man. It's uh, awesome. I learned that when I was a, a vicar, like a pastoral intern, I was with my presiding pastor and... His like kindergartner was in the back seat, Elijah. And Elijah said something that the pastor didn't think was appropriate. He says, Well, you should, Elijah, you should apologize to the vicar. He said, I'm sorry, vicar. And I said, It's okay. And the pastor turned around to his own son. He says, Tell vicar what we say. And he said, Vicar, it's not okay, but Jesus forgives me. There you <laughs> so go. Here I'm getting schooled awesome. by this kindergartner. That's like, awesome. no, no, sin isn't okay, but it's forgivable. Yeah. And so our hope is in the gospel, not in like lowering the and standard of the child law. child will lead them. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> I picture like Jesus having the little kids, like teach yep. his bearded disciples. And he's just like, so, this guy. Listen, give him the mic. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so like, becoming a dad, how do you change when you become a dad, man? Oh, man. Man, what are the, what are the words? I, can, I was just writing about the my memories of Brooklyn's birth, you know, where the doctor said, hold a leg. And <laughs> like, wait, I thought in the movies you like had cigars with your buddies in the waiting room. So, you know, we didn't know if we we're going to have a son or daughter. That was a surprise yeah. for us. And I like, I've, I've never wept like that. Just uncontrollable joy. And I love, I love sneaking. This is super like creepy, but I love sneaking into my kids' rooms when they're sleeping. I just, two nights ago, I snuck into my room. And I just sat on the carpet and I just looked at her. I just stared at her foot sticking out of the covers for like five minutes, which uh, 
<laughs> it might sound weird if you don't have kids, but like to th- and I think when I pray the Lord's prayer, like man, what I wouldn't do for this girl and God is a father. I'm a father on earth with a a sinful nature within me. So if I can love and feel like that over my kids, what does God feel about us? I mean, that thought just mm-hmm. shocks me of like how great his love must be that we should be called, you know, First John 3, that we should be called the children of God, and that's what we mm-hmm. are. So, I mean, fatherhood has taught me a lot. I mean, it's exposed my laziness and my selfishness. And when you have two really needy <laughs> kids, you know, that you have to sacrifice so much of your stuff uh, to serve and to love. But man, it, it, it hasn't just like exposed my lack of keeping the law, but grasping the depth of the gospel and the fatherly heart of God yeah. is just so so incredible to me. So it's hard. I never get through the Lord's Prayer. I'd start, Our Father in Heaven. I just think about that forever. Like, holy yeah. cow, holy cow, holy cow. Um, yeah. So that's been the greatest gift of fatherhood. Is I mean, the kids have been great, but really having them be like the way that God opens my eyes to what he's like yeah. has been the best part. Yeah. Cool. I know we're coming up against the time, so we got those two big questions for you. Boom. Um, first one, if you could go back and talk to 18-year-old Mike, <laughs> what would, if you could talk to him for five minutes, what would you tell him? Stop looking at porn. <laughs> no, that, that, that'd be on the list. Um, I think, so I, I've learned as I've gotten older that my biggest idol still is impressing people. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, my pride, my boastfulness, I think deep down is that it's hard for me to be happy unless I'm above average. So mm. <clears throat> if I have an average church, I'm an average pastor, an average soccer player, an average marathon runner an average guest on your, you know, like that's hard for me to be middle of the road. Yeah. But I've learned that that's like, that is slavery. Um, God has blessed me to do some great things academically, you know, get to be the pastor. I get to be the face of a media ministry. I've I've written a book. I just Mm -hmm. got my doctorate, you know, but I found at the end of the day, that doesn't give me security. There's just one more day, one more competition. There's always someone younger, better, brighter, faster. Like, Mm -hmm. I would tell my 18-year-old self, like, the most impressive thing about you is that the God of the universe is pleased with you, you know? And if I could get that deep in my heart, th- there used to be this uh, song, I used to think it was cheesy on contemporary Christian radio. I'm going to forget who even sings it. Um, the woman sings, I don't need my name in lights. I'm famous well, in my father's yeah. eyes. Yeah, uh, He knows my name. That's Francesca Battistelli. Yeah, And I remember yeah. the first time here, like, ah, oh, it's like some... Cheesy, yeah. shallow, and the more I thought about, it, I'm like, holy cow, like that is that is it. I I yeah. I don't need anyone to applaud or recognize or praise or like or click or share. Like, I'm fa- like God delights in me, like He delights in Jesus because I'm covered in Jesus. Yeah, you know. So that that's still that's what I'm telling the th- almost 38 year old Mike. But I would say the same thing. I would I could save myself so much anxiety and borderline depression just by not needing to be impressive because God's already impressed with me. Awesome. Yeah, down at St. Marcus, uh, so when I taught at St. Marcus, um, Carol Jeske has her has her music classes sing that song all the time. Really? And it's just like, first of all, it's just like a smack in the face to popular culture. But then like, <laughs> when you start hearing your 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 students singing that back at you, especially in, in an environment like that where it is about like, this school's got to be the best, and, like because it's such a, like in that school yeah. choice program, you, Every, there's so much it's all mm. high stakes you know sure and just getting that message back of like it's not about like just yeah. 
let God do his work. Step out of the way. I love that. Yeah, play the background, man. Let yeah. him be the star. Cool. Yeah, I call it OCD, obsessive comparison disorder. Yeah. Like, uh, how do I compare to everyone in this moment? And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's a death trap. It's exhausting. So to be able to free exhausting. yourself from that treadmill is... Yeah. My, my favorites, one of my favorite sermons I've ever preached, I preached on a treadmill. So, <laughs> yes, back in Madison, I set up a treadmill and I got on it. I was talking about like when you try to find your greatest happiness in the law instead of the gospel that and so as you i'm preaching i started out treadmill. walking and i kept until i maxed out the treadmill and i'm in a dead sprint and if you <laughs> i don't think people even heard what i was saying they were so mortified <laughs> that i was gonna die and go flying into the altar <laughs> you know but i remember that like just yeah. man you can run as fast as you can you can perform you can be the best te- you can have the best week of your teaching career but there's always next mm. week and then next week's got to compare to this week because yep. are you have you passed yeah. your prime and your peak and mm-hmm. yeah maybe your colleagues were impressed last time but what about this year yeah. You know, so just getting off the treadmill and, you know, find rest my soul in God, Psalm 62. Like, yeah. that's what I tell. That's what I'm going to tell myself until I die. And I, I don't want to yeah. tell 18-year-old Mike because I had no no concept of that. Yeah. You know, God's acceptance of me was more of when you die, is he going to accept you? Like, that. that's what the gospel really was. And now mm-hmm. I'm just seeing the gospel is that I have eternal life now. Like, yeah. I have God's acceptance and approval now. So the, the present tense of God's presence, man. That, that's that's new for me, and it just sets my heart on fire. Awesome. Very cool. Last question, and, and we, we already talked about it a little bit, but mm. what does it mean to be a Christian man, or what makes a Christian man? Uh, I think a Christian man <clears throat> is a man who is so satisfied in Christ that he can serve in Christ's name. I think if you're not satisfied in Christ— you might look like a good husband, but you're doing it to get. You might look like a good teacher, a good employee, a good athlete. You might study hard, but it's because you're looking for something. I think you're really free to serve like Jesus did, which, ma- you know, what did Jesus say? You know, who, what makes you great? Um, not coming to be served, but to serve. And I think you can only serve when your heart's already full. So, man, it's easy to stand up as a pastor, and it might look good, but it might be rotten on the inside. You know, if I'm if I leave not proud that Jesus was preached, but wondering, did they like me? Mm. Like, I'm not serving people. I'm using them to serve myself. Mm-hmm. So to really be a Christian man is to be so overwhelmed. Like uh, Psalm 73, earth has nothing I desire besides you. Um, God is my portion. He's, he's enough for me. I'm, you know, the Psalms are just my favorite book of the Bible because they're all about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't, God is my refuge and strength and my tower, and you can't touch that. So I think mm-hmm. to be a Christian man is to live so much, put your heart's happiness inside that refuge so that you're just free to serve. And if people like you or they don't, or they come back or they don't, or they buy your books or they don't, or if they listen to your podcast or they don't, right. you know, if they outbench you or <laughs> you got them yeah. this week, like, man, I'm just good. I'm good. I can go home with a smile on my face because yep. God is with me and he always will be. Yeah. Amen. Oh, man. Cool. Let's keep preaching. I'm supposed to have a it. date tonight, but I just want to keep talking no, to you. Oh man, go get on that date. See, <laughs> see, it, it all goes away if you don't live it out, man. It all goes away. If you don't Do you live know what you out. just said? You just said, go get on that date. Yeah. So you need to edit that out. That's inappropriate for your podcast hey, You're married. <laughs> you're married. You're married. It's wildly appropriate no. <laughs> because you're married and happily so. Oh, man. I feel yeah. uncomfortable talking about sex. In front of people, so. <laughs> what, are you talking about? what are you talking about? So if you want to hear more from Pastor Mike, um, you hit him on Instagram. Yep. At, where, at where at Instagram? At Pastor Mike Novotny. Okay, and then you can get them online where? Uh, you can check out podcasts through The Core 
or definitely check out Time of Grace Ministry. Start Starting in 2019, uh, I'll be showing up on TV and uh, blogs, short videos, Your Time of Grace. So, yeah, you can track me down. Awesome. Yeah, well, and then sign up for the ta- Your Time of Grace app too, right? For sure. Yeah, yeah both, both Time of Grace and Your Time of Grace. There's some awesome other pastors on there. Yeah. Great kind of daily content to get into the Word. Cool. Very cool. Appreciate your time. Thanks, I would man. love to have you on again sometime if you want. So I would love we'll, that. We'll get you. In, fun. We'll get in touch. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. God have bless a good you. one. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the content we put out today. If you want to hear more content like this, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify. You'll find us. It's a big blue picture with a white cross. It's the Gird Up logo right there. Make sure you're following us on social media. On Instagram, you can find me as Bibles, Beards, and Creatine. It's, I know it's a goofy name, but it's a good one. I enjoy it. You can find us on Facebook as The Gird Up Podcast. And if you still email, you can send any emails that you want to send to coachungamak at gmail.com. Thank you to all the people that make this podcast possible. Thank you to Pippa, the awesome hosting site that I get to use. Thank you to Seth Pommeyer for our awesome logos and podcast art. Um, And thank you to my roommate for putting up with me, my friends and family for encouraging me. Go gird up, guys. Be the man that God created you to be. I hope you have a good one.